Brexit, Shamrocks, Immigration, and President Trump. A special St. Patrick's Day edition of the Fury Theory Podcast starts right now. The Fury Theory Podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. Really pleased to have John D.C., the special envoy from the Irish government to the United States. John D.C. is a TD, which is John D.C., what does TD stand for? Chuck Dola. Chuck Dola. He is uh, a member of the Irish Parliament. He has spent extensive time here in the United States. He was a, a staff member for... John Hines, and, a senator from Pittsburgh, and a congressman from from Rhode Island called Ronald Makeley. Ronald Makeley. Um, and so, John, no, nobody knows more about the American government, in the Irish government, than John D.C. That is why the Taoiseach, which, who is the Prime Minister of Ireland, Leo Varadkar, appointed John D.C. to come to the United States and help solve many problems for the Irish government with, with the American government. He's been extremely effective. Uh, John D.C., welcome to the Fear Theory Podcast. Thank you, John. Um, the day has come. The day has come. Finally, we've got you on the podcast after talking about it for years, or maybe a year. Um, so let's start with the big news, Brexit. Yes, the mystery. The mystery. Uh, how big of a deal is Brexit to the people of Ireland? If you're a beef farmer, it means um, you're effectively your economic existence. So for certain sectors, it means everything. Um, when it comes to food and drink in particular, we ship more than half to the UK. So if we're talking about tariffs or a tariff regime um, coming into play, it means devastation potentially. So the United States has paid some attention to Brexit. Uh, I think that the, probably the United States government under President Trump has been cheering on Brexit for many, many reasons. But it's a very, it complicates things for everybody in Europe, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I think the U.S. and everyone else around the world is just waiting to see what happens. Um, there's no clear path. There's no understanding as to how this is going to work out. Um, what we've seen in the last week is probably a couple of things. Firstly, Parliament has taken control over the Prime Minister. Secondly, um, the Prime Minister is losing control within her own party. Um, we now know there will be an extension. I suppose that is clear now. The only, the only question is how long is that going to be? My guess is there will be a short extension till the end of May or June. And after that, it could be a very long one. So one of the principal issues with Brexit has to do with Northern Ireland. Yes. It's the idea of a soft border versus a hard border. When I was going to school in Ireland uh, and we would go over the border in the mid-80s, we would be stopped, frisked by uh, British soldiers, and if we had cameras... With a, with a gun pointing with at a, you. With a gun pointing to you. That doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't. Look, you're, you're a political expert. Right. And you are. You have been for a long time. Uh, you worked on the Hill at a senior level, and, you know, actually this really comes down to politics and the fact that the Democratic Unionist Party props up the Conservatives in the House of Commons. Right. And the reason why we're in this situation is and why we're talking about the backstop and their reluctance to take the deal that was actually agreed um, with Europe is, is purely northern politics. Right. And the unwillingness of the DUP to actually agree to this. That's why we are where we're at. And DUP wants a hard border, even though the hard border is bad for the Northern <coughs> Irish economy? The DUP 
really doesn't want a hard border, but they, as they say themselves, they are utterly unwilling to um, sign off to anything that would make them in any way different to the Union or the United Kingdom in any respect. And that includes um, not agreeing to a border down the Irish Sea, um, treating the North differently within the customs union with the United with the EU. Um, they were reluctant to cede any ground with regard to how they're treated compared to the rest of the Euro- the United Kingdom, and that's their position. Yeah. So, and that seems to be. That is the issue with regard to Brexiteers as well. They're using that to actually not support the withdrawal agreement that has been signed off with the European Union. Um, How you get over that, it's going to be very difficult in my opinion. So let's move from Brexit to the special relationship between the United States and the Irish people and the government of Ireland. Not many countries get a guaranteed opportunity to spend a lot of quality time yep. with the President of the United States. And everyone else. And everyone else. Yeah. And so talk about your day yesterday. How did it start? Where did, who did you have lunch with? Well, I started with breakfast with the Vice President okay. at his house. And a number of congressmen, you know, um, a sundry group of congressmen from sprinkled in. So that's your first access point, I suppose, with the Vice President of the United States, which... You know, a lot of countries would dream about. Um, and the vice president is of Irish descent. He used to be Irish Catholic. Now he's his his family's still Irish Catholic. Sure, he's Irish Protestant or Evangelical, which a lot of yep. Catholics have done. But he, he has a great affinity. Actually, I've traveled with the vice president to Ireland yeah. on Codells, and he you know he loves Ireland. He does, and uh, ironically, he his parents grew up um, where the president has his golf course oh. on the west coast of Ireland. Um, so. Yeah, there's an affinity here. I mean, there's a connection, a massive connection. Um, and if you take the top three, if, and the top three, I mean, Donald Trump, the president, Mike Pence, and the chief of staff, Mike, Mick Mulvaney, who happens to be a member of the Hinch Golf Course for the last 16 years. Wow. So the connection, even on that small part of, you know, Clare on the west coast of Ireland is, is everywhere. Right, right, right. So we went then to the White House and met the president. Um, along with a lot of cabinet secretaries and very senior staff in the White House. And after that, we went to the Hill and met people like Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker. So you have the, the traditional St. Patrick's Day lunch. I used to organize that lunch for when I worked for the Speaker of the House, Denny Hastert. It's a great opportunity to, for the President and the Speaker to hobnob with the Irish people. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, actually, and I... You know, I was here last year. It actually is an opportunity for me. We we know the Nancy Pelosi's, the Paul Ryan's of the world, and we get to talk to them and and you know Chuck Schumer. But I use that lunch to talk to congressmen and women that I've never met before. Right, right. And I look for people whose names I know, but I introduce myself and I go talk to them when I get a chance. Right, when there's a break in the singing or the speeches, and I got the opportunity to do that yesterday. Um, I, I was seated actually beside uh, Steve Womack from Arkansas. Yeah, he's a great guy. And I found him fantastic, really engaging guy. Yeah. And a really, I mean, actually, the two of us just spoke for 40 minutes um, about different stuff. But I made, uh, you know, a really good contact with somebody who is um, a very sensible guy, I thought, um, with very good advice. Yeah. And, you know, I was really glad to meet him. So for me, that lunch was fantastic right. because... You know, I'm a member of the Irish Parliament for 17 years. I get to meet somebody who is um, distinguished, 
who is very senior, chairman of the budget committee, and um, yeah, we talked about a lot of stuff, so it was a great context. So that's what I used the lunch for. And one, one time when we were working for, uh, when I was working for the speaker, uh, there was a big controversy about inviting Jerry Adams yeah. to, to our lunch. Yeah. And I pushed forward because there's a critical moment during the uh, Good Friday Accords, uh, and it could have backslid. And having Adams come to the lunch, now he, Adams is very controversial. I know that you have views of him very strong. Um, but at the time, it made sense to make sure that we were all inclusive and kept Sinn Féin in the peace tent, which they now are probably the best part of the peace tent in Northern Ireland, don't you think? Yeah, I, it's funny you, you mentioned that. And, you know, we hadn't, you hadn't brought this up before we started this, but we had a long discussion yesterday uh, between myself, the Taoiseach, Richie Neal, and Nancy Pelosi about exactly what you just talked about right. and with Peter King. And we went straight back to the invitation and the visa that he was given right. to actually come to America at that time, right. which, which led to peace, effectively, right. Right? and led to... You know, a real change with regard to politics in Northern Ireland and the violence that actually had gripped that province for 30 years. And, yeah, we spoke at length about it, actually. And Richard Neal, obviously, was you know a big supporter of that. But, obviously, Nancy Pelosi was as well with Pete King. And uh, so was Denny Hastert. Uh, we right. pushed for it very hard. And I would say that uh, that was the small role we might have played in helping bring the peace process. Let's talk about... Very quickly. Yeah. Go back to the DUP. And in politics... The really hard stuff is, is swallowing things you really don't want, but realize that they're for the good, and the better good of the people that you um, that you represent. That was a very good example right. of how that works. The DUP aren't quite there today. They need to be. Yeah, they do need to be. Uh, talking about things you can't quite swallow, uh, immigration in the United States is the lifeblood of our economy. Probably the, the most important, one of the most important diasporas that came from the United States was potato famine Irish. The Irish have continued to come to the United States. Now, even today, the numbers aren't what they once were because the Irish economy is doing great. Um, but there are lots of Irish here who never got around to getting documented. Um, and that is a thorn in the side of uh, between the United States and Ireland, something that needs to be solved, right? Yeah, th- there's, a, there's a bit of a disparity here. A um, couple of stats. We're a country of 4.8 million people. Last year, 1.7 million Americans visited Ireland. And it's an incredible statistic when you think about the size of our country and our population. What's really been lacking in the last 10 years is the flow between the two countries when it comes to legal immigration. And, yes, we have an undocumented population, probably a lot smaller than some people think. It's probably about eight or 9,000. Not very big. No, a lot of people have gone home and... Our issue really is to actually, as, as it's almost as big as the undocumented issue, is to continue the flows with people working, Irish people coming to America and vice versa. So that's why we're really focusing on the E3 visa, which is the residue of the Australian E3 visas, um, which would amount to probably about 5,000 per year. And in return, we're giving a lot, we believe, basically work permits for Americans who want to work in Ireland, and we're also giving real concessions for people who want to retire to Ireland. Right? Americans who could be me. Yeah, it could be you. Um, right now, it's pretty. There's pretty high standards or thresholds with regard to income limits for Americans who may want to retire to Ireland, and we're proposing to reduce those drastically. Uh, there are other things, and so, and you know this, John. Basically, we we got it through the House last year unanimously, 
um, but one senator has put a hold on this bill and that's where we're still at. And hopefully he will drop that hold because it's really, it's a win-win for both countries. It is. And, you know, um, I've met his staff this week and reminded them that when it comes to friendly nations and allies, Ireland is probably the friendliest country when it comes to the United States. Right? Right. And we, we work together on security issues, for example. That's really something that's really important for both countries. When it comes to sharing information about terrorism, when it comes to organized crime, um, our relation is amazing. Pre-clearance, everything we do with regard to security is at a high end. Um, I think we're probably um, our relationship is, is fantastic on a number of levels and the president spoke with that senator this week uh, from the top down Democrat Republican everybody wants to get this done so hopefully we will in the end so let me talk a little bit about when Donald Trump who I supported during the primary uh, after the primary and during the election when he won the White House uh, everyone was collectively shocked the world over. I think nobody was more shocked than the people of Ireland. Uh, that being said, he has a really good relationship with the Irish government, with the, uh, the Irish people. I think people like him over there, don't they? He said something really curious last night at the Shamrock Bowl ceremony in the White House. He said, you know, it's almost like you really don't want to be an enemy of the Irish. Right? <laughs> they make brutal enemies. Okay? <laughs> and... Uh, Okay, and I, I, get, I think we all get what he means by that. You don't want to, you know, you don't want Irish people turning on you, right? right. Because they, they hold grudges, right? right. And they, they have really long memories. Yeah, right? you know, that's the definition of Irish Alzheimer's, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more than that. I actually think he just genuinely likes Irish people. Yeah. Um, throughout his years in Atlantic City and the casinos, um, he came across Irish people, tradespeople who worked for him, built his casinos, and he just got on really well with them. And they, they did good work for him. And he's a New Yorker. I mean, you, you can't help but come across Irish people in New right. York in that area. Right. And I think he just has an affinity for Irish people, and I think it's a natural affinity. Yeah. Um, but talking about that, that relationship, which, you know, President Obama, I think, had a, everyone thinks they have a special relationship with the Irish. I don't think President Bush was particularly that great with the Irish. He didn't, he didn't dislike them. He just didn't... He wasn't as warm as Clinton. wasn't nearly as warm as, as I think, Trump. Um, but this relationship, there's so many ways that they can cooperate. And I think you've done a really an exceptional job of making friends in this administration. Yeah, I mean, Mulvaney helps. Yeah. Mulvaney's a, you know, somebody who takes his Irish-Americanism very seriously. But what you, what you look for on a personal level when you are around the president for so long in a day, right, at the Oval Office, at the Speaker's Lunch, you, you try to gauge, is this a chore for them? Is this something that, oh, my God, I really I can't wait to get back to the office and pick up the phone and start talking to people? I mean, I think he actually genuinely enjoys it. Right. And he did last year, and he certainly did yesterday. Right. Um, whether it's kind of, you know, cracking jokes with Nancy Pelosi and just involving himself in the whole, um, you know, the, the, the parade and, you know, the, basically the... The whole pomp and spectacle of the whole right, thing. Yeah, he, right. he really enjoys it. Yeah, he, he gets does. it. And uh, you know, he likes meeting people on the steps of the Capitol. There's a, it's a spectacle. I've never seen anything like this. It's, I mean, it's amazing. As Richie Meal, who was standing beside me yesterday, kind of looked at me. He goes, "I never get tired of looking at this. This is amazing." Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, when it's, you see the president coming in the cavalcade, it's awesome. Right. Yeah, that's a great, great part of it. And he likes that. He likes that pomp and ceremony, and he likes that. And uh, but he gets it. Yeah. Now you've played golf. Uh, with Mick Mulvaney. Yes, he's a good golfer. Um, yeah. Do you think that Trump, President Trump is going to get to Ireland anytime soon? To well, play, first thing Mulvaney him? tells me he's never beaten Trump. 
Okay. Oh, was that right? Okay. Now he's played golf with them enough times, right? And I'm amazed by this because Mulvaney is well able to play golf. Yeah, now, right, right, right. I was down to four and played with Mulvaney last summer, and he's a fine golfer. But for him to tell me that basically he's never beaten the president tells you how good Donald Trump is at golf. Oh, that's that's awesome, uh, John DC. Let's hope that we get this E3 visa thing done. I think if we can get that one center, and you know who you are, um, we need you to, to get on board with this because it's a win-win for the United States and for the Irish people. Um, you know, the special relationship. We, I have a very good friend who you've met who was honored at the American Ireland Fund dinner, um, Gail, Gail uh, Conlon Slater. Gail is the only Irish-born working in the White House. She came to the United States in 2003. She was uh, won this award for the American Ireland Fund this week, and she's just a, a terrific. Well, what she does for the White House is tech policy. Yep. And, you know, we have to get through and get over this Brexit. We need to get through and make sure that the uh, Good Friday Accords are adhered to because this special relationship is morphing into an economic relationship between a highly educated Irish people um, who do so much good work and have such great tax policies. Yep. And the American people who, you know, rely on tech for everything. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the tech industry and how you see it uh, developing in, in, in the future? Um, well, firstly, you know, you mentioned immigration. We both work for Republicans. And, yes, there is one senator. Um, and we respect the fact that a senator has might have fundamentally different views on immigration um, than other people. Um, what we are trying to get across is what we're proposing is fundamentally good for Americans. No, no question. Right? Uh, with regard to our special relationship, with regard to the tech industry and everything else, we're heading into unknown waters because of Brexit. And even when it comes to immigration and how they treat goods and services, everything changes after Brexit. So the, the case I'll make is basically it is English-speaking country. is going to be the only one. Right. And... For the United States and Ireland, to it's, it's incredibly important, it's critical that that relationship is enhanced right now because of where the UK is going potentially. So it's entirely within America's interest to actually accentuate the relationship um, with Ireland. Um, to give you an example. In two years' time, you're going to have to register before you go to Europe, uh, for most countries in Europe, online. To get a visa. To get a visa. Well, some people say it's not a visa, it's ETIA. Right. Ireland is not part of Schengen. So when you come to Ireland, you won't have to do that. Right. Okay? Um, that's a small thing. Right. But for it, Americans... It's a know, great thing. It's a layer of administration that you don't, don't need to deal with. Right. And these are things that can be worked out between two governments. Uh, when it comes to the, the, the tech industry or any other industry, um, Ireland allows opportunities that other countries in Europe don't. And we know that because a lot of American companies reside in Ireland and have for 30 years right. because of the tax treatment, frankly, that they get. Right. Um, and they get pay very little tax. And that upsets some American politicians. The yeah. fact of the matter is... It upsets some European politicians. Yes, more. it does. <laughs> yeah. Particularly French people. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it's a relationship that works. Yeah. And it works for American companies. And it actually makes them stronger. Um, it makes them better, wealthier companies. And Ireland has allowed that to happen. So I guess my point is that there are ways around everything. And the way Ireland and the U.S. has operated and worked in the past has been incredibly good. And it works for everybody. 
and that needs to continue. So even a small thing like immigration, it's important that we actually come to some agreement um, and for no other reason but to continue that incredibly healthy relationship. You know, John D.C., the relationship with the United States and Ireland has been going on for a long time. It's yeah. a great relationship. It's morphing like all maturing relationships must into a, a from a kind of nostalgic type of relationship to one that is based on true economic interests. And so I think that's great. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Guinness. Actually, I'm not. It's, this is coffee. I wish it were Guinness. I'm drinking water. I'm drinking because water. I'm being held together by Tylenol, cold and flu. Yeah, and I feel bad about that. It's the. It's not an easy time to be in Washington because uh, all of all the stuff in the air that makes people uh, sneeze. Uh, with that, welcome to the Fear Theory Podcast. We are happy to have you, John D.C. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day.